17th Athletic Director for Mississippi State University, John Cohen. Thrilled to have Allie McDonald Ewing and Charlie Ewing, um, actually both members of our uh, women's golf team coaching staff. Charlie's our, our head coach and our uh, volunteer assistant, uh, Allie, uh, when you're in town. Um, <laughs> Just wanted to let both of you know we're so proud of all of your accomplishment, com- accomplishments when you consider what you've done professionally and at Mississippi State. And, Charlie, what a great job you've done with our women's program. So congratulations to, to both of you on, on that. Well, um, thank you. Thank you. want to jump into, Allie, you first. Um, you, when your autobiography is written one day, it's going to be all about overcoming obstacles. Um, and, and just to mention a couple, I mean, it's pretty well – Stated, you grew up in a really rural, small town, Fulton, Mississippi. You grew up on a, on a nine-hole golf course. You've had to b- battle diabetes. And by the way, diabetes runs all through my family, so I'm, I'm pretty aware of that. Um, you, you've competed against the very best in the world. There are 80 million women on this planet who play golf. And you have won two events maybe the most difficult thing to do in, in all of female sports. Um, just take me through the obstacles that you have dealt with, e- even when you were growing up, to get to where you are right now. Yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, I grew up on a non-hole course, Fulton Country Club. Um, it, the, the practice putting green can be no more, you could hit no further than a 40-footer. Um, just a very, very small non-hole course. But one thing that it did growing up, um, it challenged me to experiment with different shots because it was a rolling non-hole course. It wasn't that long, but it was a rolling course. And I never got used to just your standard, you know, level lie. I hit balls above my feet, below my feet, just anything you can think of. And it also attributes to the community that I had and Fulton Country Club in general, uh, Stanley Ramey, who is the father of Chad Ramey, who also played here, um, was a huge part of my growth as a junior golfer. Um, even in college, when I would go home occasionally, he would be right there to, you know, just give me a few things that I might have, you know, leaned on in junior golf. And, um, yeah, it, it was not your country club, um, kind of a lot of range session, um, huge short game area. It wasn't that, but it took, it, it made me really focus on what I was doing and the people around me really pushed me. So you, you're, you're in junior golf and early on you struggle, you excel later on, you come to Mississippi state in the beginning, you struggle, mm-hmm. you turn professional, and again, early on, you struggle and you just keep overcoming. Um, is there a point in which you come to Mississippi State or you turn professional and it's early on in that process and you go, wow, this is hard. I, I just don't know if this is going to happen for me. I mean, do you, did those doubts, did they ever enter your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think at all points in any sport, in any career that you choose, you're going to have doubts. And part of my growth as a junior golfer, my parents did a great job in putting me in situations to challenge me 
to see failure, but also to then bring me back to a situation where, okay, you're actually better than you think you are and put me in a situation to see me succeed. So I played against the boys in high school, um, which I failed at because we played the tees so far back. So I saw myself, I'm not hitting it as far as they are. So I saw myself fail in some aspects there. And then I'd get to summer golf and I'd compete against the girls and I'd be like, okay, well, this measurement's a little bit different. And I would see myself succeed a little bit here and there. And same when I got to college, you know, I'm gifted with these exceptional practice facilities. Um, I'm challenged by fellow collegiate golfers and I try to rise to that expectation as well. So I think so much of me is, is a competitor and it's how my parents raised me to, to compete and to be the best no matter what I'm presented with. And every level I feel like I've tried to elevate my game to be the best that I can be against those people. So I might not have started, you know, being highly recruited as a junior golfer or anything like that, but I have tried to rise at each level that I've gotten to. So in watching you play, and, and of course I'm, I'm like every other golf fan in the world, right? So I remember <laughs> the, the Tiger moments. And one of the things that, that always got me as a coach is the amount of time people failed or crumbled when they're playing with Tiger or Tigers in contention, right? And one of the things I admired about you, one of the many things, and Charlie, I want you to comment on this, is there was no doubt in my mind when, when you were coming down a stretch and, and had the opportunities for wins, you were playing the golf course. It was you and the golf course there weren't the other best players in the world standing beside you. That that was not even part of your game. At least, maybe you're just fooling me, but that, Charlie, that's what seemed to me was happening. And I ask you this because, A, is that the case with Allie? But, B, how do you get your kids to play against the golf course instead of worried about the competition that's on the, in the field? Yeah, I think golf is obviously really, really unique to where it's – one of the few sports where you're out there and the people that you're competing against, they really can't do anything to, uh, unless it's a match play setting, of course, but for the most part, they can't really do anything to impact your game unless you allow them to. So it really comes down to a mental toughness and a focus. And so talking about mental toughness and focus and, you know, equipping the team with those types of tools to, uh, to make sure that they're really just understanding what it takes for them to be successful um, and focusing on your own game is really uh, is really really important. Uh, and in watching Allie play and uh, watching her compete when when she puts herself in that position to contend for a golf tournament, it's really impressive to see her and then those who she's competing against. Obviously, the best players in the world. The amount of focus and how little they can be impacted or wavered by um, exceptional performance by their competitors. It, you know, there's so much trust in themselves, so much focus that regardless of what the competitors are doing, they, you know, the, the best players in the world just have that focus to, in belief, to, to look at a shot, understand how to approach that shot and execute at such a high level. And it's really hard to do. And that's one of the biggest things that separates those junior golfers from the collegiate players that make it at a very high level or the collegiate players that make it professionally at a really high level. That's, that's one of those big separating factors for sure. So I, I just asked Allie specifically about her story. Mm -hmm. You have a different vantage point, right? Um, you, just to put this in perspective, in your opinion, in this country, 
right now in terms of golf, how often does Allie's story or something like her story, her background, happen at the highest levels in the world? I think it's it happens here and there. I, th- I think what in the game of golf, I, I don't think it's something that you see as often uh, because golf is one of those sports that typically it requires resources in one way or another. Um, so just having access to facilities and facilities, obviously, you know, if, if, if they didn't have an impact, then all of the, the greatest, you know, the, the, the biggest college programs in the country wouldn't invest in having the best facilities possible and the professional golfers wouldn't move to um, to areas that have those types of facilities. So those things really, you know, they matter and they help. But um, so to see uh, professional golfers come from places that don't have those sorts of resources to have, you know, um, world-renowned instructors or, you know, a very accomplished instructors across the junior golf, it's, it's rare to find. Um, but I think what you do find is the the golfers that do come from those types of areas um, that are maybe a little bit more rural or more limited to a nine-hole golf course or a lack of driving range are the ones that are going to be uh, a little bit more secure in their own game, have a better understanding of themselves rather than having just been taught and fed information, more you know learned by kind of being thrown to the fire a little bit uh, and a little bit tougher um, and have just that, that more security and self-understanding to, to perform. And, and I think it's really – you can see a little bit, um, you know, you can see some power in those different student athletes to, to kind of perform at a different level, a little bit different way uh, than some, other, some, some of the others that come from uh, areas that might have a little bit more resources. So, Charlie, I'm going to stay with you here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're within an eyelash winning an SEC title. And, by the way, congratulations on a wonderful season. Um, I, I want to ask you this quick. Coming from the men's side, I, I've, you, you're, you have a very unique vantage point here. The way you address men players versus the way you address the women, what, what are the similarities? What are the differences? Um, and I, I, I'm just curious how they internalize the message differently or, 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 if, or if they're the same. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. If- I've done a lot of learning through this first semester of really trying to listen and pay attention to how how these women communicate with each other, um, how they respond to things that I say, and how they communicate back to me. Uh, and, and one thing that I found with uh, with this team in particular is that they're very very open minded. They wanted to be coached. Um, they they want to be pushed. Um, sometimes it's a little bit easier to have those challenging conversations to push somebody, uh, you know, on the women's side, because they're, they're so itching and, um, and begging to get better that if it's a tough conversation, it might not be comfortable, but on the other end, they realize it's something that's going to be better for them on the other side of it. But, uh, you know, this team in particular has been really, uh, it's been really fun to, uh, to communicate with and learn because they, they haven't, they haven't shied away from from anything, and, and I found that the 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 way that they express emotion is a little bit more um, external, not in a not in a dramatic way, not you know um, in anger, but um, in, a, in an excitement way. You know, they this team talks a lot about you know, wanting you know amongst each other. Uh, I think the goals are very clear about wanting to accomplish great things, and having those goals set is something that um, you know is something that everybody wants to. Uh, it really is motivated by so uh, w- those are those goals are very clear um, 
But, you know, the things that are very similar from the men's side to the women's side, of course, is the game of golf. You know, there's so many different things from the technique side uh, that are very similar. Uh, I think on the women's side, it's a little bit more important to uh, to know how to think your way around a golf course. That course strategy is, is more important, in my opinion, just because on the men's side, there's more speed and more spin created. So uh, you can bail yourself out a little bit more if you get out of position or you can, you know, carry the ball to a little bit different places and, and get it to stop with that spin. So the women have to think their way around a golf course a little bit better but uh, the energy is a little bit different on the women's side than it is on the men's side I think the men is a little bit more uh, of an intensity in the focus where I think the women um, the thrive a little bit more off of kind of the energy and excitement and the camaraderie and a little bit more of a um, of an outwards in an outward way gotcha Allie um, I wanted to ask you this, and, and I probably it's probably pretty well documented. I don't know the story. T- mm-hmm. Tell me how you guys met. Tell me how you and Charlie met, and how you you came to this this relationship. So um, obviously, I was coached by Ginger at Mississippi State, and um, after I came off a good finish um, at the British Open in 2017, um, Dusty had just taken the head coaching job, brought in Charlie. And she tells me that um, the assistant coach is really cute. I think we need to do the whole uh, setup <laughs> thing. And um, so coincidentally, she arranges it to be more of like, let's introduce the, the coaches, get them comfortable for dinner at her house, and also celebrate your good finish at the British Open. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's, go, let's, let's go do it. And um, eventually we, uh, we did – exchange numbers and um I went out for like a full month so we were able to communicate for a full month before we actually even went on a date um so I went out for a month after we met and came back in town and we went on our first date and that's how that's kind of how it all started and um it's been a lot of fun obviously now that he has a, a great love for Mississippi State like I do and um it's been a good but uh Obviously, we we have challenges too in our relationship as much as we travel, and as much time as we spend apart. But um, yeah, it's been a it's been a great thing. You know, I haven't asked this question. Has Charlie been on your bag before? He has not. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think we've we've had a little bit of a talk about how that probably would never go like it'd probably go well for an event <laughs> or two, but maybe not like a full time <laughs> duty. Um, but but yeah, we we have a lot of fun when we do get on the golf course together, which occasionally happens. But, um, for the most part, we, we don't get to play a ton of golf together. Okay. So I want to stay on that subject though. What is that relationship like? How important is it? And how do you go into the evolution of choosing somebody to be on your bag? Yeah. I mean, I've had the same caddy since I started on the LPGA tour. Um, Dan Chapman, he reached out to me through, um, he got like my email through another player, had been on the LPGA tour for several years and um, was a vet caddy. And he, you know, had sent me some recommendations of or some other references of who he had caddied for. And I reached out to them. Um, some well-established names, Angela Sanford, one of them. Um, he had worked for her, and I reached out to her, and I was like, hey, how, how's this? can I trust this guy? And she's like, one of the best there is. So, um, yeah, we've we've gotten along great. 
had a had a great time together and um he's been very trustworthy he's um been been a great caddy but also just someone I can trust on the road if anything ever happens to me on the road um he's he's there I know he can, I can count on him that's terrific yeah I've always wondered that about the caddy so in college Charlie you don't have the caddy right you're kind of on your own but you have your coaches so you're kind of the caddy for your your entire team even though you're not specifically on the bag you have to make really difficult decisions on who you are going to follow and be in their ear a little bit. How, how do you make that decision on who you're going to follow at an event? I mean, here you are, you're competing for an SEC title, and you got to say, I'm going to be with these kids because you can't be on all, you know, on six different holes at the same time. Right. It's, it, it's really challenging, especially when you get to, um, you know, a championship golf tournament. You want to make sure that, you know, every, every T's crossed and every, dot, every I's dotted. Uh, so uh, a lot of it for us, it starts with, uh, who is comfortable going by themselves and who can we trust by themselves and, and a lot of times that's uh, you know in, in a perfect world you kind of look at the veterans on the team as the juniors and seniors have you know they've, they've run the races they've been around you've know, been around a lot of these golf courses multiple times but you know sometimes it is the juniors and seniors that you want to be with for that you know nine consecutive holes or even the whole entire 18 holes and it really comes down to a relationship thing so at the at the SEC championship this year, for example, um, you know uh, Kendall was uh, serving as the assistant coach for this semester, and she's had a really strong relationship with Hannah Levi, who was uh, playing in our number one spot. She was our team MVP this year. Uh, she's a redshirt sophomore, so she's been here for a little while, uh, and it just it was just a really good relationship that they had on the golf course. It was working really well. They were communicating really well, so it was the best thing for us. And uh, and that just um, that puts me basically with the other four golfers for the most part. And, and what I like to do is just try to try to give everybody proper attention. Uh, there are some people that, that do like to go out there and just say, hey, just you know, maybe show up every eight holes and see if I need a snack. And other people are, hey, can you be with me for, for 10 holes and just make sure we're talking through everything. So, um, you know, there are certain players that I'd hang out with for a little bit of time uh, and others that I would just uh, see maybe once or twice a day. But, uh, it, you know, every round we kind of uh, treat it differently because after each round the order is going to change based on uh, who plays well and, uh, you know, just the order of the score. So, the order of the players is always going to be different every round. You just kind of have to think through it a little bit, but mostly comes down to um, just kind of what the players need, what the players want, and every every player is different. Where where I think, as you'll see on the LPGA Tour, um, just something that I'm learning, just watching Allie and just some of the different competitors that she plays practice rounds with or, or tournament rounds with, that there are some players that just expect different things out of their caddies than others. Um, I think Allie and Dan have a relationship that's very communicative, uh, communicative is that the right yeah, word that's <laughs> it. you're on it uh uh where they they talk things through back and forth and ultimately Allie likes to make uh, be very confident in her decision and kind of have that final say where I think a lot of other players are asking for a caddy to kind of tell them what to do um and then everything in between so um just it's for us it's really important to kind of learn the players and understand how to communicate with each one differently than the others just see what what they need and what they want and, and just try to um, figure out the best way to cater everybody's needs in, in a way that you know uh, addresses everything that the team needs as a whole. You know, I want to mention this too because I'm thinking about it. Um, back to the SEC championship finals, your kids were so close, and Auburn wins. They celebrate. Your kids sit there and watch them celebrate. Your kids are obviously upset. 
But for those of you who've never been to an event like this, our kids, you, you know, the, the kids are spread out throughout the, you know, the back nine there. And our kids came together. They waited for Auburn's team to come together after they were celebrating and, and watching. And your kids stood there and congratulated the kids at, at Auburn. They didn't walk off the course. They waited for them. I thought that was incredibly first class. But before we went on here this morning, I, I specifically, we were talking about you being mic'd up. So, you know, Hale State Productions did an incredible deal with you and had you mic'd up. And I just thought you sounded just like a major league pitching coach because, you know, you have those moments where a pitching coach makes a mound visit and they've got to encourage, they have to inspire, they have to sometimes they have to break the tension. And I noticed in several of those clips, Charlie, you were doing everything you could to break tension. And, and I, I'm just, I know there's a lot of people out there that are wondering when you're talking to our kids in the middle of a competition and everything's on the line, what are you saying to them um, to, to, to get them ready for that next shot? Well, first of all, if, if you think I sound like a pitching coach, just, I know we both have a direct line to Coach Lamonis, and we got you know super regionals coming up, so I'm available. They probably don't need me. I know they're doing great, but but I'm available. But uh, you know I, what I like to do is is um, I I think it's really important for a coach to carry the proper demeanor um, in a competitive setting. Uh, and and for me, uh, I have a I have a really good relationship with the players on the team where we um, we goof around, we joke around, we um, you know we, we, we cut up and, and have a really good time. And I want to make that stay very consistent through a competitive setting. Uh, I think golf um, and baseball are, are very similar in aspect where you know baseball it's um, you know there's there's a pitch and then um, you know and then the play happens and then there's a lot of downtime before the next one happens. And then there's um, you know in the dugout there's a lot of downtime and we're on the golf course you're hitting. Uh, if you shoot even par, you're hitting 72 shots over the course of about five hours. So there's a lot of downtime where you have to communicate. You have to be in control of your mind, make sure you're thinking things the right way. Um, <clears throat> so it's really important to make sure that you're not keeping, you know, just a straight, a consecutive five hours of really deep intensity. And, you know, for some players, that is what they like to do. Uh, but I think for, for most players, it's it's really important to have that intensity for that short uh, short bit, preparing for a shot, hitting the shot and then analyzing the shot and then just try to relax. So uh, I try to keep a very consistent um, personality around the team and demeanor with the team that I have if they walk into my office just on a, on a random afternoon and we're just going to have a conversation or if we're, on the, uh, if we're practicing, if we're qualifying, or if we're at the SEC championship. I, I want to stay very consistent just so um, you know, we talk about routines a lot, and I think it's really important for um, if I start acting differently in big settings, I think they'll start behaving differently because they'll think that you know this is different than anything else. And and I think so. That's just something that um, that we like to do. But we, we have a lot of fun together, and I don't think there's any reason to not you know have fun together, even if we're uh, in the 18th fairway of a championship. We might as well enjoy it while we're there. You know, I in my my career, I I think. Um I've been described a lot of ways as a coach, but I'm not sure fun ever entered the, the <laughs> vocabulary. Um, Allie, I've got to ask you this question, um, and, that, and I admire that part because, uh, you know, we, if you're not the fun guy, you better have people around you who are, and I, and I had that. Um, Allie, you've reached, you know, celebrity status in, in your career. You might not feel that way, but you certainly have. Um, I, I got, I, when you're a celebrity – 
and, and you're early into your career, and you still are, eventually you're going to run into people that, and you're going to have those wow moments like, I can't believe I'm standing next to this person or I'm conversing with this person. Have you had some of those moments? And, and tell us what, what that was like for you. I'd probably say it doesn't happen like super often. It, it probably happens more at a tournament. Right. You know, I walk off the 18th green. I had just won, you know, the week before in Vegas. We're playing the U.S. Open in San Francisco. And, you know, walking off the 18th green, you could tell there maybe it was a little bit more excitement to get a signed glove or a signed golf ball. Whereas when I started in 2017 out there, they were probably like, who is this? Right. You know, what is she doing here? Um, so it's taken a little bit of time, obviously, through good play. Um, maybe more recognizable face, maybe more recognizable name. Um, certainly the name change in the middle of everything probably is confusing people. Um, I even heard it from my peers on tour, you know, who's this Ewing now on our tour? Um, but it's been, it's been fun kind of, you know, I don't, I don't play golf to be recognized. I play golf because I love to compete. Um, but it has been fun to kind of be in a position where maybe what I'm doing is more impactful. Um, whether that is exciting a little girl walking off the green or exciting a, a kid that's wanting a glove um, or if it's, you know, someone just hearing my story. I think, I think athletes, professional athletes are in a great position to make a positive impact on people's lives. And um, certainly with time and playing well comes a better opportunity to do that. So, um, yeah, the hope is, is to continue to excel and to be in a position to impact people. How about the kind of the, the opposite of that? What celebrity have you gotten to be around in terms of you bumping into somebody either on the golf course or professionally because of your celebrity, and you you bump into that person, you say, "My goodness, I, I'm just this kid from Fulton, you know, Mississippi. I can't believe I'm standing next to this person right now." Have you had some of those moments too? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is to bump into Hall of Famers, LPGA Hall of Famers, and getting the opportunity to, you know, pick their brain or just be around what their accomplishment, you know, Julie Inkster was my Solheim captain. Um, I've had the chance to play in um, Meg Mallon and Beth Daniels pro-am and getting to pick their brain. And um, Pat Hurst is our upcoming Solheim captain. And just to be around people who have been so, so successful on a tour that I play on, I think that's kind of been more, um, more who I've come in contact with where I'm like, wow, these people have been so successful at what I'm trying to be successful at, and they're encouraging me. They don't have to do that. You know, they have reached the greatness in, their, in this game, but somehow they find it important to then leave positivity into someone who's still playing. And I just think that's super special. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, I've run into any, you know, high class like celebs which if I do um I'm definitely in an awestruck position <laughs> um but it you know it's, it's just been so cool to play on our tour and to be able to see the people who have you know left such a great mark on the LPGA okay two more quick questions for you Allie number one you're a student at Mississippi State you're having fun you're going to football games um you're hanging out with your buddies on your team bang you're a professional you're on your own now. I mean, your body really is your instrument. I mean, you mm-hmm. got to take care of it. Your diet, your strength and conditioning, your mental 
uh, outlook, all those things, you're now a professional. How much different is that than just being in college and playing in college? It's, I would say it's very different. And obviously as a student athlete in college, you are time managing different things. You are time managing to put in the proper work at your sport, but you're also a student. You're time managing, you know, getting to class, going to, you know, your, your tutoring or your study hall hours. You are time managing all that, but then you get into your professional sport where it is just full golf focus um, to where, okay, well, I had a coach who was uh, taking care of my travel, Mississippi State's getting me to and from all these events. I'm just showing up and trying to play. Whereas you get to professional golf and you're like, okay, well, I've got to get to that tournament, so let me look at flights. Oh, I've got to stay at somewhere. Let me find a hotel. I need a rental car now. There's not someone to just drive me around. Um, so it's all that. And then you have to be like, okay, now I have to compete at the highest level as well against some of the best players in the world. So I think for me, playing on our developmental tour, Symmetra tour right out of college was really big for me because it wasn't like I was just thrown to the fire. Um, I was kind of competing at like a kind of a, a level where um, obviously still some really great competitors coming out of college and still pursuing com- professional golf, but um, I was kind of figuring out things as I went. Um, and then by the time I got to the LPGA one year later, I'd kind of gotten my feet underneath me. Um, but, yeah, completely different. Um, obviously the amount of tournaments even that I play now is completely different than when I was a junior golfer, collegiate golfer. Um, the time it takes to um, get to and from events – when I get home, rest is so important, um, especially like if I'm home for a week, that first half of the week, it's kind of like regroup, reset, get your body back into a place where it's ready to compete at the highest level. Um, whereas in an off week, I might come home from a collegiate event and it's like, you know, you go to class the next day, you might take the day off from golf, um, but the next day you're right back at it. So it, it's just a little bit different. I'm leaving for three to four or five weeks at a time coming home for a week. Um, so that it, it's just kind of managing, you know, listening to my body, um, taking care of my body, but then also preparing in the right way. Okay. I got to ask you this question and Charlie, you get ready. Cause I'm going to ask you a question, but you can get the same question, but it's going to be from a different vantage point. Okay. You hit the putt at Lake Oconee. Right. And by the way, what a beautiful backdrop with the, the water right there. Yes. And you know, all of us are watching you hit the putt. I mentioned this before, and I don't want to be overly dramatic about this, but there's 80 million people on the um, women on the planet who are trying to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You hit the putt. You're an LPGA champion. What was going through your mind as you set up for that putt? And what was going through your mind after you hit the putt? Well, I was in a position where I just needed to get the ball in the hole in two shots. But that made that 10-footer so much more difficult than any other 10-footer that I have ever hit because – you know, at that point, I know if I two-putt, I, I win. So even just trying to get a 10-footer within a tap-in range felt like which a, you've a done, huge Which hurdle. you've done a billion, a times, billion times in your career. But that 10-footer <laughs> with my hand shaking <laughs> and knowing that I'm probably just about to capture my first LPGA Tour win was just – it was nerve-wracking. Even when I hit the putt, I think I had left, I thought I had left it four or five feet short. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to hit a four-footer to win this golf tournament. But it ended up just, that just tells you how your body's responding to such 
you know, nerves and everything, but it, you know, it ended up a couple inches from the hole and I tapped in and just the sense of like, I feel like the word is relief and excitement from being, I wouldn't say that I was so close for so many years, but like just getting over that hurdle, you know, so much of what we do, we have to do it for four days straight. It's not just like you go out for, for one day and like, okay, I've done this well for one day. You have to go do it for four days against the best in the world. And to me, that is just, we had even had many conversations about just keep putting yourself in that position, keep putting yourself in that position. And it's so hard to win against the best in the world. And when I felt that putt go in and knew that I had accomplished a dream, I had gotten over the hurdle of that first win. It was, it just felt like a huge relief. And it was, it was such an exciting time to where, I felt like all the hard work, the process, the trust, the people who have just pushed me, instilled in me that I could do it felt, it just felt like it had, it was just an amazing thing. You know, I I love the numbers and I keep bringing up 80 million women playing golf, but the truth of the matter is what you did, statistically speaking, is more difficult than winning a WNBA title. It's more difficult than being a first-round selection in the WNBA. It's more difficult than winning a Super Bowl. It's more, I mean, statistically speaking, what you did is remarkable. And I'm not saying this to freak you out in any way, but um, Charlie, now i got to go to you. She taps in the pot. What are you thinking is, is she, when she's 10 feet out? What, what's going through your mind as she's approaching this and then when she completes a task? So uh, we, uh, I was the assistant coach for the men's team at the time. So we're, we were playing our second golf tournament of the fall. Uh, we were in Franklin, Tennessee at Vanderbilt's home golf course. And so while we're playing our round, she's playing her final round. Uh, I believe it was our first round of the golf tournament. So um, I'm kind of getting my updates here and there through, you know, she's, she has a one shot leader. It's now it's three or now it's down to one or, uh, and then, but we finish our round and she has one hole to play. So uh, at the time you sprint uh, to the clubhouse I'm spr- sprinting to the clubhouse uh, so we actually had there's a, a putting green right up there by the clubhouse I was able to pull up the tournament on my phone so I'm actually sitting on the ground on the putting green um, while a couple of our guys are, are hitting some post round putts and I'm watching this and um, and what was really really special about that week in particular was of course during um, a COVID uh, a COVID year uh, with a really unique schedule it's the first tournament of the entire season that um, that she was able to have anybody there with her uh, her parents actually were able to show up for that golf tournament for the first time the entire season I hadn't been to a tournament the entire season so um, it was really cool seeing her parents there off the side of the green waiting for her um, I wish I could have been there but uh, I was you know I was coaching the team but uh, watching uh, her come up that 18th fairway um, her competitor Danielle Kang had an opportunity to tie her and hits this wedge shot that almost goes into the hole who at the time I think is ranked the, is the number one player in the world or thereabouts she had no doubt been the hottest player mm-hmm. on tour for the entire year mm-hmm. yeah she was leading the points at the time yeah. I think and so she hits a wedge shot that almost goes into the hole and I think everybody everybody <laughs> watching the tournament's freaking out like oh my is this gonna happen and then, uh, but then Allie hits a great wedge shot to, to close and uh, when when Danielle's wedge shot didn't go in the hole then you know there's 
you don't relax, but you have this understanding, you know, like you're talking about, she's, she's hit a billion 10 footers that, you know, that have either gone in or stayed very close to the hole. So you start realizing, you know, the, the magnitude of what's about to happen. And, uh, and then of course, you know, she taps in and she's crying and I'm crying and, and I've got, you know, some of the guys on the team that are coming to there over my shoulder. We're all hunkered over watching this, uh, this golf. And it was really, really special, but just, just to, um, you know, see her uh, and just kind of the emotions that were coming out and the words that she was saying um, on the telecast and just um, you know, it, it was that you were so many conversations that we've had just kind of you know, just kind of her um, you know being very vulnerable with me about you know over the last several years about how close she's been or how badly she wants and you know sometimes it you know it feels like she's right there and sometimes it feels out of reach and you know, just there's all these different conversations just kind of everything comes together and all of a sudden she's a LPGA champion some that she's been working for her entire life and it's just um it, it almost takes a little while to to really realize what had just happened but it was really really it was really special and really cool to watch and um and even now this semester I wasn't with the women's team at the time but this semester you can just see the the inspiration that brings to the team still to this day and then now with the second win you know how much the the team appreciates that because you know they see her as as Allie before they see her as you know anything else you know that that's a a mentor of theirs and a friend of theirs and somebody that they hang out with and um so you just kind of see that you know that's still having such a great impact on more than just you know the excitement that we experience but you see it impacting people here at Mississippi State to believe that you know you can be from Fulton Mississippi and you can come to Mississippi State and, and accomplish amazing things on a worldwide scale well I want to tell both of you I know both of you might have been nervous but there was an athletic director in Starkville Mississippi who was pretty darn nervous too and I know that thousands hundreds of thousands of Mississippi State fans who are watching we're pretty darn nervous we were with you every step of the way i just want to congratulate both of you and i want to thank you for being part of this and, and more than anything you guys have continued to be part of the the mississippi state family even though it's it's i know it's harder for for you to get back in town alley but uh um and by the way i want to officially welcome you to our mississippi state coaching staff as well um <laughs> thank you but um just so proud of both of you and and thrilled to have you back in town well, we love being a part of the Bulldog family. Obviously, I've been a Bulldog for a long time, and it's great that we've uh, we feel so at home here in Starkville. And uh, hopefully, we go on to many championships. And I see him, you know, reach reach the highest level of what he's doing too. Absolutely. Well, hail state. Hail state. Hail state. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yes, thank sir. You.